It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. going on it's wednesday august 25th you're listening to the college football daily my name is trey scott Got a little bonus episode for you right now dropping it into your feed you heard earlier this morning chris hummer and myself we are talking about the alliance between the acc big 10 and pac 12 probably saying oh what about the Big 12? Well, this next one doesn't really answer what about the Big 12, but it does touch on as we continue our across the country and nearly complete our across the country with a college football daily playlist. It does touch on one of the more interesting teams in the Big 12 this fall, and that's TCU. The Horned Frogs were picked to finish fifth, I believe, in the conference preseason media poll. I'm bringing on Jeremy Clark from Horned Frog Blitz, a 24-7 sports TCU site. He's picking them third, and guess what? I am too. So a fun conversation with Jeremy, with Gary Patterson, as this is you know right off into the sunset. We don't think so, but we're going to talk about that, talk about why why we like the Horned Frogs so much, and, and just kind of riff on, uh, oh, we, we're going to riff on, we're, well, I forgot we start, we're going to riff on talking about the team that Gary Patterson doesn't like very much, uh, Texas, and, and how I think he's going to have a little something extra for the Longhorns as they flee off to the SEC and, and leave his TCU program and the rest of the Big 12 Conference wondering what in the world they're going to do. Enjoy. We're bringing in Jeremy Clark right now talking about a team I've gotten really high on in the last month. Jeremy, TCU is now, I, I think I would pick them to finish third in the Big 12 ahead of Texas. And we'll get to that in a second. There's a lot of different angles we can we can go with when talking about the Horned Frogs. And I, I think we'll, we'll, again, we'll get to all of that stuff. But with this whole, with the realignment and with TCU's position uncertain and with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, do you expect Gary Patterson, who's 7-2 and two, since TCU joined the Big 12 against Texas, to continue having a little something special for the Longhorns, especially now that they're putting his program in a really tough spot? I mean, I'll tell you this much. I think he gets great joy when he plays against Texas and beats them. Um, they're 7-2 and two right now. And I, I think with everything that's going on, I, fans say that they should let Gary go out there and put 50 to 60 points on him. But I, I think this year's uh, he's going to say all the right things, Trey. He's going to say that let's win by one point. It's just another win if they get a win. But I, I think deep down inside and with everything that goes on, and especially his record against them, he, he gets a lot of joy out of beating the Longhorns. Yeah, it seems like he's been thriving sort of in this underdog. And it, he loves that mentality against Texas like you would probably – I remember a, a dust up he had with Barton Simmons a few years ago talking about like Bar- Barton was talking about this the, the talent of the roster was outside the top 30 or top 40 and I, I forget the word he used Jeremy but he was meant to say Jeremy or that that Gary and the Horn Frogs do more with less and Gary kind of took it as as Barton was affronting his roster and was probably happy to point out that he was beating really good teams with with players who were totally overlooked by those programs. And it, it feels like he's going to do the same thing this year with a new chip on his shoulder now that that those teams are leaving. Yeah, I, it's funny you bring up Barton stories. I, rem- I remember that like it was yesterday because TC was actually playing Texas that week. And uh, I told Gary, you know, the, the story about Barton was really a, a great compliment to him and, and, and the program. And 
after he read it, he just didn't like the headline. And, and I think he, I think he told Barton that, but you know, he, he gets, I, I think he gets that way when, when people don't really talk about him. I think he's kind of glad that right now they're preseason number five in the big 12. I think like you, Trey, I, I would agree that they're number three. I think uh, Oklahoma and Iowa state are number one and two and, and uh, TCU could be surprising people by the end of the year, that trip to Ames uh, Thanksgiving weekend could be very well a trip to the big 12 title game. But I, I, I think he, I think he does like to be the underdog role. He likes to use it with his players and TCU. It's just a little old TCU. Hey, guess what? Texas didn't want you or, Oh, you didn't want you. We come here and we get to beat those programs. So I, I think he's always going to be that type of coach that just always tells those kids and, and, even as coaches to always coach and always play with a chip on your shoulder. Cause that's how he was. He, he always gets told he can not do something. And 10 years ago, they're playing in the BCS game in the Rose bowl. And people told him, Hey, TCU's never, ever going to play in BCS game. And back in 2014, people were telling him there's no way TCU's going to play in the playoffs. And they're right there on the cusp of it. And even though they didn't get to go to the playoffs, they still showed in that that win over Ole Miss and the Peach Bowl that they might have they might have belonged in that race. So he's uh, he's always uh, happy to try to prove people wrong. While you're talking, I did a quick Google Jeremy, and it's uh, the headline was uh, roster of rejects. So yeah, I yeah, get the it. rejects. Um, that's what it was. <laughs> so earlier in the summer, I was I was thinking about how I felt about TCU, and I was looking, and I said to myself. Trey, you're always wrong about your preseason expectations about TCU. Like the years I think they're going to be really good. Like in 2018, they went seven and six. And the years I think they're going to be bad, they're good. So I, I don't have the best pulse on them. But I've really come around. You mentioned that they're going to play with this chip on their shoulder as they always do. They've got like they've got the perfect, like the, everything you would want right now, right? Like the Max Dung in the, at the quarterback position. Zach Evans at running back. You've got some receivers. Quentin Johnson, I think, is going to be a superstar. Turn four offensive linemen in the one position you don't return. You're getting a, a top 25 transfer and a left tackle. And then your your defense, it feels like every year TCU is spitting out some hyphenated defensive back who I've never heard of from Gary Patterson's scheme and, into the first round of the draft. So you never worry about them. Like We're talking about TCU could finish third instead of finishing fifth. Like Why, why can't TCU finish in the top two, actually? It's it's crazy the thing. It's like you know, like I mentioned, I really truly believe that trip to Ames is going to be for one of the top two spots to play in that Big Twelve title game. And like you mentioned, they have they have a ton of weapons coming back. And really, it's the first year since 2017 since they've had a guy with at least two years under center. I mean, Max is he got thrown to the Wolves as a true freshman last year. We didn't even know if he was going to play or not because of the heart condition. Comes in there and, and he proves a little bit, shows a little bit of improvement throwing the ball. But they they have so many weapons. They like you said, they returned four offensive linemen, got an upgrade at left tackle with Eze from Memphis. They've got two really good running backs and Zach Evans and the guy no one really talks about because he was a uh, not not a very heavily recruited kid is Kendra Miller and Kendra Miller had a great game uh, against Texas last year and finished with a I think he had 180 yards. Run rushing against Louisiana Tech. So those two guys, word out of campus, man, there's really no difference between Zach Evans and Kendra Miller. So you got two really good running backs. The say the 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 receiver position, Trey, uh, and I've covered the team since 05. This is the deepest receiving core I've ever seen them have from top to bottom, from athletic ability to speed to size. They've got a combination of every one of those things. And if Max can get time to throw the ball with an improved offensive line and he shows improvement with his accuracy, they're going to be able to throw the ball a little bit more than what they did last year. And like you said, defensively, the reason why they're so good every year on defense is because they got that guy, Gary Patterson, walking on the sideline. He's so meticulous in everything he does and 
preparation, um, getting the guys in the right spot, seeing seeing things with the crystal ball that some of us as evaluators don't see. They he can tell if a, if a guy's too too small to play uh, say or too big to play safety, he could be a really fast linebacker. And and that's kind of the things he's done. D Winters is a perfect example. D Winters played every position in high school except linebacker. And he's now one of the top linebackers in the Big 12. So he's he's just done a, a really good job, him and staff, of evaluating those those guys on defense. But eight returning starters on defense, 10 on offense. And I, I'm telling you, when I did the preseason Big 12 voting, I had them third. And the only reason I had them third is because they have to go to Norman and they have to go to Ames. I think if those two games were reversed, we very well could easily be talking about TCU being number two. Um, the only reason I wouldn't say – Beat Oklahoma, beating Oklahoma yet is because they've only beat them one time since they've joined the Big 12 in 2012. So you've got to go with history there. And But this could be one of those teams that surprises a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier. The win total is seven and a half. The non-conference schedule, you could look at it on paper and say it's not difficult. If you dug in more, I mean, Duquesne's a win in week one, uh, Cal in week two, bye week, big rival against SMU. Uh, so you got you to buy a week before SMU and then Texas. Is this... Sleep at your own risk, Jeremy, or are they going three and zero in non-conference play? I truly believe by the time they get up to Oklahoma, they're going to be undefeated. I I, I feel that they're going to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, so five and I, I really do. I, I I feel like the you know they they open against Duquesne. That's a win. Cal I believe is a win. SMU is going to be a lot tougher than than I think people give them credit for. SMU's routinely played them tough. I'm glad it's a home game, and I'm glad they get a bye week before playing them. Um, but I do think they're going to beat the Mustangs. I I do feel. Um, like they're going to beat Texas and Texas Tech on the road in Lubbock is going to be tough. You got the whole Sunny Cumbie angle, but I really feel that by the time they go up to Norman, they're going to be undefeated. But you could also see it's weird because there's there's so much parity in the Big Twelve, especially with the top half of the conference. You could either see them going five and zero to 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 Oklahoma or three and two. So, but I but I truly believe that trip up to Norman, they're going to be undefeated when they play the Sooners. Last question for you. Gary Patterson's 61. He's been there 21 years. He's already taken them through one uh, round of conference realignment. Does he want to see this thing through or are we reaching, do you think, I know you're close with them. Are we reaching, you think, the end of Gary Patterson in Fort Worth? That's a really tough question. I, I, I still feel like he, he's one of those guys that feels like he not necessarily owes people something, but he wants to leave he, he wants to leave his legacy in a good place. I don't ever see him. If TCU does well this year, I, I could very easily see him right off into the sunset, let someone else come in that's a little bit younger, but I also know he has a great passion for the game. I, he, he's told me before he doesn't see himself coaching into his 70s or anything uh, like that. But I really feel if TCU has a, a good year this year, it, it probably revitalizes him a little bit, probably wants to spend another couple of years. Because if you look at 21, they have a lot of guys coming back. But 22, they have – just about the same nucleus coming back if you don't consider the transfer portal or, or guys leaving early to the draft. Um, so they could very well have a very good year next year. But I think with everything that, that we're looking at, conference alignment, the NIL, everything else, he's more of an old school guy. But he does get with the times as far as uh, trying to accommodate each of those players in that avenue. If the conference realignment comes down and, and TCU's sitting there kind of in the same position they were back in 1996 where they didn't really have anywhere to go, they had to go down to a lower level, a mid-major that we used to call it back in the day, I, I could see him kind of hanging it up and, and moving on because he has uh, built a tremendous legacy at TCU. He's built the program to where it is, and 
the very fact that TCU's even mentioned uh, as being a team that could go into a Power Five conference and and not have any worry um, to where they're going to land with all this realignment shakeup, it's because of Gary Patterson. If without him, TCU is is probably just wondering still to this day, trying to figure out where their place in college football is. You're so right about that. When I when I see the articles about hypothetical realignment and they don't mention TCU, I'm like, why would they? Why would they not? And you kind of have to remember that 10 years ago, it was not like that. Jeremy Clark, we appreciate you coming on and talk to us. Hey, thanks so much, Trey. Okay, thanks again to Jeremy Clark for joining us. Our producer is Lance Glenn. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you next time.